I'm Pastor Brian Holberg, and I'm so delighted that you have joined us. Welcome again to our service here at Bethel. You know, all of us have heard uh, the hyphenated words that are put together, servant leadership. And yet, when we hear that hyphenated word made up of two words, it appears to us to be an oxymoron. An oxymoron are two words that seem to be opposite. Two words that in our minds do not seem to go together. And think about what we think when we hear those two words. We think, well, leaders are at the top and servants are at the bottom. We think leaders give orders and service, uh, servants are the ones who take orders. We think leaders do the brain work and servants do the grunt work. And we think that leaders are in the limelight while servants are hardly noticed. And then certainly we think leaders are at the top of the pay scale and servants, they're simply getting minimum wage. Yet, do you know, and I'm sure you do, that the greatest leader of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, said, I am among you as one who serves. And why did Jesus say that? Well, he said it because he knew that true leadership is about serving. The true leader works harder than anybody else, makes more sacrifices. The true leader puts in more time, carries more of the burdens, and thinks more about others. To be a leader means that you are more, consider, uh, more committed to the success of others than your own, and it also means that you will do whatever is required to help others succeed in the right way. This morning, I want us to look at a message that I'm entitling, What is Servant Leadership Like in the Church? And it comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, which Pastor Hank read earlier in our service. And there the Apostle Paul counsels young Timothy about how to be a servant leader. Now, for us to understand the background as to why the Apostle Paul speaks as he does, uh, I want to uh, hear uh, from uh, the late pastor, John Stott, as he uh, sets the context for us. Listen to what he says. This section begins with a dramatic contrast between verses 11 and 12, which sums up the problem that Timothy faced as a young leader. On the one hand, he had been put into a position of considerable responsibility as the Apostle Paul's representative to Ephesus. But on the other hand, he was still a relatively young man, probably in his 30s. So then, Timothy had been called to Christian leadership beyond his years. His responsibility to command and teach, verse 11, was in danger of being undermined by his youthfulness, verse 12, and by the signs that his ministry was being rejected. How then should young leaders react in this situation? So that their youth is not despised, and their ministry is not rejected. And listen to what Pastor Stott says. Not by boastful, assertive, or aggressive behavior. Not by throwing their weight around and trying to impose their will. Well, if it's not by those means, what is the means? Well, clearly it is servant leadership. What is servant leadership? Well, that's what the Apostle Paul explained to Timothy and to us. 
And let's look at it together this morning that it might sink deep into our hearts. First of all, servant leaders know personal character comes first. All servant leaders understand personal character is what comes first. Listen to verse 12. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Now, why does the Apostle Paul start here? Well, he knew this dictum that all of us know is true. What you do speaks so loudly I cannot hear what you say. And the example that we set will either reinforce or undermine our leadership. And when it comes to what people will follow, we always know what's going to win out. Example will always be the greater influence so that people will ultimately become what they see in their leader. Now, here in verse 12, Paul gives to us a comprehensive test on character. He speaks about our inner life, that's our faith and purity, our commitment to the Lord by faith, followed by our pure devotion to follow him as we were singing in some of our songs. And then he speaks of our outer life, our speech and our life what we say, and how we live in front of others. The connector words between those four descriptions of the inner and the outer is the word love. Love ties the inner life and the outer life together. Love causes us to trust our Lord. And because we love him, we want to be devoted to him in a pure devotion. And then love causes us to love those who are following us. And therefore, we want to speak and live right in front of them. And so what a wonderful thing this is, a comprehensive character test that we can always come to to check our character against the inner and outer life that is essential for a servant leader. A number of years ago, Reader's Digest reported about a huge ice storm that hit a particular area and covered everything in ice. To get the slick ice off of his driveway, a father borrowed his son's baseball bat, and when he was finished with the driveway, before getting the ice off of his car, he went into the house to rest and to warm up. A few minutes later, his seven-year-old son burst into the house, and he was so proud, he said, Dad, I got the ice off the car. His dad said, How? The same way you did, Dad, with the baseball bat. Don't you hear these words in your ears this morning? Be careful what you do. Little eyes are watching. And how true that is in leadership. Be careful how we live. Be careful about our character. Because our followers are always watching. Number two, servant leaders know the Bible is their most important tool. We know as a servant leader, the Bible is our most important tool. Here's what Paul says in verse 13. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, which is preaching, and to teaching. Now, Timothy was sent as Paul's delegate to lead the church services in his place. And so here Paul tells Timothy, now until I get there in the worship services, I want you to do what I would do 
And do you notice how the emphasis is on the priority of God's word in the life of the church? And we ask why? Well, if personal character comes first, what develops personal character? And we all know instinctively it's the Bible. The Bible was not only given to save us, but it was also given to shape us, to mold us, to make us the kind of leaders and people God wants us to be. Now, I want you to note here that Paul does not mention everything that would be involved in a worship service. He does not mention prayer or music, for example. And it's not because those things are not important. They are obviously very, very important. What would a worship service be like without prayer? What it would be like without being able to sing praises to our God? But what Paul is saying is everything is to support and reinforce the reading, preaching, and teaching of Scripture. So that everything in the life of the church reinforces God's Word. Prayer there is to be, therefore, is to be informed by the truth of God. Music should teach us Scripture in its lyrics. Uh, the sermon should be saturated by the Word of God, and classes should be centered upon God's holy Word. One of the great leaders in Christian history who was very saturated in Scripture in his ministry was Pastor Charles Spurgeon. I read one day that he has left more writings to the church than any other figure in church history. His sermons and his other books uh, fill 60 very thick volumes. And I want you to listen to what he one time said. He said, It is blessed to eat into the very soul of the Bible until you come to talk in scriptural language and your spirit is flavored with the words of the Lord so that your blood is bibline and the very essence of the Bible flows through you. And every servant leader instinctively understands if those people who are following me, if their very blood is bibline, then the essence of the Bible will flow through them, and they will be at becoming all that God wants them to be. Third in this checklist for servant leaders is servant leaders know their spiritual gifts are for using. As a servant leader, our spiritual gifts are given for our using. Listen to verse 14. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy, when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Now this is such a wonderful verse because it gives us, in a, a sort of a nutshell, some very vital truths about our spiritual gifts. Number one, they're given to us by God. Paul says to Timothy here, it's a gift, and it's a gift that has been given to you by the Lord himself. Number two, they're to be used for ministry. Uh, the prophecy that is talked about here was a prophecy about Timothy's future ministry and how God was going to use him in the gifts that he had given to him and the type of ministry that he would serve in. Number three, they are confirmed by the church. 
When Paul says the elders laid their hands upon you, Timothy, what he meant was they had confirmed his giftedness. They had recognized what the Lord had placed within him, and they were saying, this is how we believe God is going to use you in connection with your spiritual gifting. I'll never forget one day a lady told me that she felt that God was calling her to a singing ministry in the church. And so I asked her one simple question. I said, have you ever sung a solo? She said, no. Well, what does that tell us? It tells us that probably God was not calling her to a singing ministry in the church. Because if he was, she would have already been doing it, and the church would have affirmed it. You see, we do not call ourselves. God is the one who gifts us for ministry, And then he brings alongside of us his people who ratify. Yes, we see a gift in you. And yes, it can very well be that because you have this gift, this is how God wants you to serve in the church. Now, fourth, spiritual gifts can be neglected. Spiritual gifts can be neglected. And you see how serious this is for a servant leader? If we neglect the very gift that God has given to us, we cannot serve the church as he's called us to, and therefore people cannot follow us and ultimately the Lord in the way he intended. You know, Timothy was later in his ministry in danger of doing this very thing. In 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul said these words to him, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And the imagery here is of the embers of a fire that have burned low. And you know what happens. If you do not stir up embers that have burned low and add more wood, that fire will die and it will go out. And the same can happen to our spiritual gifts. Through neglect, the fire can go out and the gifts die and our ministries can become cold. And I'll tell you, there's perhaps one of the most tragic things that can happen in the life of a Christian is when the fire has gone out. There's no fire in the belly any longer to use the gifts that God has given to bless the church in the way that he has called And when that happens, a leader can no longer be the servant to the people of God that God intended that leader to be. And so we must stir up our gifts, develop them as much as we can, and keep using them so that they're a roaring fire that God can use in the lives of his people that he longs to use. Here's the fourth key, the fourth check mark for servant leaders. Servant leaders know spiritual progress demands dedication. As a servant leader, if we're going to make progress, it demands the highest dedication. Listen to verse 15. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Practice. Immerse, progress. Practice, immerse, progress. 
Practice, immerse, progress. We're all to make progress. That's God's goal for every one of us, and clearly it takes dedication. The leader we all know sets the pace. Uh, the imagery here in uh, verse 15 is of an athlete who has single-minded determination. So they don't let other things spoil the main thing and distract them, but they are focused, they are dedicated on the one thing that is important. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Timothy, you be that way in the three previous ways. You put your personal character first. You make the Bible your most important tool. You stir up that gift within you so that it is roaring like a flaming fire. You practice, you immerse, you make progress. Don't let anything distract you, Timothy, from how God wants to use you as a servant leader. You know, before uh, Soviet communism fall, fell and the Iron Curtain came down, uh, there was a Russian Christian by the name of Pavel Polos who was exiled from Soviet Russia. Uh, when he uh, came uh, out of uh, that country into a free country, he was interviewed. What's the difference between Russian Christians behind the Iron Curtain and American Christians? And listen to what he said. He said, in Russia, Christians are tested by hardship, but in America, you are tested by freedom. And testing by freedom is much harder. And then he went on to explain, nobody pressures you about your religion. So you relax and are not so concentrated on Christ on his teaching, on how he wants you to live. If that describes us, what do we know? If we are so relaxed that we are no longer concentrated on Christ, on his teaching, on how he wants us to live, what do we know? We know we're not leading, don't we? That's what we know. You see, we might be very busy. We might be doing very many things. We might be beating the air, as it were, with our wings like a busy hummingbird darting from bush to bush. But if we have relaxed our concentration upon Christ, upon his teaching, about how he wants us to live, one thing we know, we are not leading. Because servant leaders always know it's about concentrating on Christ. It's about his teaching. And it's about how he wants us to live. Well, now finally, there's a, a fifth check mark of servant leadership. Servant leaders know our eternal fruitfulness is worth it. Servant leaders know our eternal fruitfulness is worth it. Listen to verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. There it is again. There it is again. The first two. Your character comes first, Timothy. And then your most important tool is the word of God. 
Persist in this. There it is again. Practice, immerse, progress. Practice, immerse, progress. Persist in this. For by so doing, you will save yourselves and you will save your hearers. Now, as we read that last phrase, we might want to scratch our head and say, well, wait a minute. Isn't Timothy already saved? Paul, what do you mean by saying to Timothy, if you practice these marks of a servant leader, you will save yourself. Timothy is already saved, isn't he? And the answer is yes. Well, what gives here? Well, the word saved can mean sanctified. And that's the point that's being made. Timothy, you will grow. Think about this. If he will put his first personal character first, if he will immerse himself in the word of God, if he will stir up his spiritual gifts to a roaring fire, and if he will dedicate himself to these things, what will happen? Well, he will grow in sanctification. You know who grows the most when you serve well? I think you know, you do. I do. The leader always grows the most when the leader is serving well. And then notice Paul says, you will also save your hearers. You see, when we lead this way, people who respond, and people will respond to that kind of leadership, they'll be in heaven for all eternity. And Paul later says that those people will be our very joy and our crown of rejoicing. And that's worth everything. That's worth everything. You know, as you start to understand this, you begin to realize servant leadership is not an oxymoron after all, is it? It's exactly the way that Jesus led. It's the way that Paul led. It's the way that you and I are to lead. Servant leaders know personal character always comes first. The Bible is our most important tool. Spiritual gifts are for using. Spiritual progress demands dedication. And our eternal fruitfulness will be worth it all. Makes you want to go out right now, doesn't it? And be a servant leader. Let's ask the Lord to make us that kind of believer. Father in heaven, we're so grateful to you that you have called us unto yourself. We're thankful that you have revealed Christ to us and that through your precious word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have brought new life and salvation into our hearts we thank you that you are transforming us moment by moment into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ as we are being uh, transferred from one level of glory to the next, even by the Lord who is the Spirit. Father, forgive us. Forgive us when we take the world's definition of leadership and try to lead your people in that way. For, Father, it's the opposite of what you've called us to do and to be. And thank you for the perfect model revealed in the perfect Son of God, the Lord Jesus, and then written for us on the pages of the perfect Word of God, 
so that we can see all that you have called us to. Continue by your wonderful grace, by your spirit, by your word, to work these virtues into our hearts that the people of God and the church and the community that we're called to be served might be transformed as you do the work through us. How we love you today. Thank you so much for calling us to yourself and then using us in your service. For Jesus' sake, amen.